This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. If your roof starts to leak or your floor's really squeak, you live in a money pit, money pit. If your basement needs a pump or your place looks like a dump, you live in a money pit, money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we make good homes better. Call us right now with your home improvement question, your do-it-yourself dilemma. We are standing by to help you get that project done. Hey, do you want to get something done before the next holiday arrives? Give us a call right now. We'll help you figure out the fastest, the quickest, the easiest way to do that. And speaking of holidays, do your electric bills spike up? This time every year, do you own that house on the block that goes totally all out with like holiday decorations, <laughs> you know, that you can see from space? Inflatables, <laughs> giant lights, disco balls, you know. I tell you what, they, they burn a lot of watts and they cost a lot to run. Traditional holiday lights can really take a big chunk out of your wallet. Uh, but in just a few minutes, we're going to help cut that down because we've got some ways to trim those costs with LED lights. We'll fill you all in in just a bit. And tis the season to deck those halls. So while you're decorating and up there on that ladder, make sure that you stay safe first and foremost. You know, there are thousands of emergency room visits each year, and they are caused by falls off of ladders. you got to use them properly. So we're going to tell you how to check your ladder for wear and tear and how to use it safely. And one more way to stay safe this holiday season, we're giving away a tree safety system worth 35 bucks. It'll alert you automatically if your live tree gets dangerously dry and help you prevent a fire. So give us a call right now. That's going out to one caller we talked to this hour at 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. Let's get right to those phones. Leslie, who's first? Joan in New Jersey, you've got the Money Pit. What can we do for you today? Uh, yes. Uh, hi, Leslie. Enjoy enjoy the show. I have a question in reference to 40-year-old aluminum siding. I okay. Perhaps if I can paint over it, what are the steps? Should it be latex oil? Should it be prime? Should it be sanded? Is the siding in pretty good shape? You're just tired of the color? Uh, well, it is, it, it is white. It looks as though if I do power wash it, it looks as though that it's probably going to be you know, maybe a, a little bit chalking. I'm afraid I'm, I'm going to be losing probably some of the color if I did try to power wash it. Mm-hmm. Well, if you want to paint it, you're going to want to lose some of that paint that's on the surface. You know, right. so many times we see with aluminum siding, as the paint starts to deteriorate, it sort of flakes off and becomes very chalky. Well, it looks as though like it's getting like a lot of black marks around, uh, uh, you know, uh, closer to the ground level. When you say black marks, are you seeing sort of speckled looking mold? I guess that's what it would be called that I never really figured that's what it was. So, okay. Well, do you have a lot of mulch in the area on the ground where the siding and where you're seeing this sort of dotting? Uh, yes. Uh, not, not a lot, but definitely it's in front of the house, yes. 
because Tom and I always talk about there's something called artillery fungus yes. or shotgun mold, and it appears a lot of times on siding and on the siding of homes when you have mulch in your garden and your flower beds, especially right up next to the home, and it's terribly difficult to get rid of. Does bleach and water work on that one as well, Tom? Yeah, it will. A siding wash or bleach and water will do it, but in terms of painting the aluminum siding, yes. essentially what you're going to want to do is try to... Uh, sand as much of the old paint off as possible. You can wire brush it. You could power wash it. Be careful with the power washer, though. Yeah, you want to get as much loose stuff off as you possibly can. And okay. then I would recommend oil-based primer because you get really good adhesion that way. Okay. And then you can use a latex top coat. And if you can, I would recommend spraying the paint, not just brushing just so it. So you're not seeing any brush marks and there's so many nooks and crannies, it would just be a wrist nightmare. Oh, okay. All right. That certainly sounds sounds like very good advice. All right. Well, good luck with that project, John. All right. Thank, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. And the best is if you rent one of those paint sprayers, right. you should also buy one of those little disposable white paint suits that you zip into with the mm-hmm. hood and everything. <laughs> Just so you look totally professional. Just so you look like you're doing the job because you the look do is very end up important. with overspray. <laughs> Frank in South Carolina needs some help with some insulation. What can we do for you? Uh, I am looking at purchasing an older home. And it has a full walk-up attic from uh, side to side. And it was built in the mid-40s. And the floor inside the attic is um, uh, lumber laid diagonally across the floor joist of the attic. They appear to be shoot, probably two-by-sixes, something I haven't really seen before. Mm, the floorboard, not the floor, not the floor joist, but the floor surface? The floor surface is the uh, diagonal boards, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, I, would, I would assume that it has not been insulated or well insulated. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering what I can do to insulate that without having to pull all these individual boards up, which I very seriously doubt I could get them all up. Hmm. Well, uh, do you know if there's insulation under it right now? It, the best I can see, very, very little. Okay, and how much do you care about whether or not you have storage space up there? I'd like to utilize the storage space. Mm, well, if you you kind of want to have your cake and eat it too, Frank, in that situation, <laughs> yes. um, we would probably recommend you take up the floorboards and make sure that those uh, ceiling joist cavities are totally insulated, uh, complete filled complete with uh, probably unfaced fiberglass, mm-hmm. not faced to unfaced the top fiberglass of those, of those joists themselves, and then again across those joists so that you have way more insulation, sort of building up above the floor itself. See, the problem is, Frank, you need more insulation than you have uh, than ceiling joist allow. depth to fill in. So you're going to have to have some insulation up and above the ceiling joist, and you can't compress it. Now, if you want to just do something that's a lot easier and maybe have a little less insulation, what you want to do is sort of carve out the area, perhaps around the attic stair, that you can use for storage. And for the rest of the area, go out and pick up some unfaced fiberglass bats, lay them right on top of that floor. That will give you some additional insulating power without you having to rip up the floor. But again, you have to you know, sort of carve out some area where you're going to store. You'll have less insulation there and more insulation in the areas, uh, perhaps towards the outside walls. All right. Well, I certainly appreciate it. Thank you very much. I enjoy your show. You're welcome, Frank. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Pick up the phone and give us a call with your home repair, your home improvement question, 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 1-888-MONEY-PIT. 888-666-3974. 
Up next, it is the Ho-Ho Home Improvement Season, and we're going to give you some tips to trim your electric bill when you decorate for the holidays this year. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home by calling 888-MONEY-PIT. This portion of the Money Pit is brought to you by RYOBI, manufacturer of professional feature power tools and accessories with an affordable price for the do-it-yourselfer. RYOBI Power Tools, pro features, affordable price. Available exclusively at The Home Depot. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And in addition to doing all of your holiday prep work, especially with things around the house, pick up the phone. Here's a task for you. Pick up the phone. Give us a call. Let us know what you are working on and what you need a hand with because we can help you sort it all out and get it done just in time for the big holiday meal. So call us at 1-888-MONEYPIT. And one caller that we talked to on the air this hour is going to win a Christmas tree safety system from Ulta Lit Technologies. It's a sensor and an alarm system that's going to let you know if your live tree is getting dangerously dry. It could save you a very expensive home improvement project if there were to be a disaster. <laughs> it's worth 35 bucks, but could be yours for free, so pick up the phone for your chance to win. 888-666-3974. One caller we talked to this hour is going to win that uh, Christmas tree safety system from Ulta Lit. We will choose that name at random out of the Money Pit hard hat, and you got to have a home improvement question, which might be, how can I save money on my holiday light display, Tom and Leslie? Well, the answer is LEDs. You know, LED illumination has come a long way since its early, somewhat dimmer days. Now they can shine even brighter than the traditional incandescent bulbs that we find on most of our holiday light strings. You know, this holiday season, if you shop for and decorate with LED products, they can slash your energy bills. They can also, of course, cut down at the same time on your carbon footprint and last longer than incandescence. Consumer demand has basically brought more of these lights to the market than ever before, and the prices are really, really good. So why buy incandescence? Buy LEDs today. They last longer, and you won't be searching the entire string to figure out which one <laughs> is burned out <laughs> and is causing your whole string to go out. And you know what? Last year, the tree at Rockefeller Center, which everybody sees the tree lighting on television, and of course, you know, if you watch NBC in the morning, you see the tree all the time lit up and beautiful. They used LED lights, and it really made a wonderful presentation, and when you went down to look at the tree in person, it looked gorgeous and sparkly and didn't seem any different from a traditional light. And the best thing to keep in mind, folks, is that they're 90% more energy efficient than those regular lights. And in fact, we can break down the cost comparison for you so you know exactly what you're saving and how much you're wasting depending on which way you go in our very next Money Pit e-newsletter. We're going to tell you how much money you're going to save and we're going to give you some more ideas to help you cut costs for your Christmas displays. So sign up for our free weekly e-newsletter right now at moneypit.com and remember we keep your email addresses to ourselves so fear not. Sign up today. 888-666-3974. Let's get back to the phones. Who's next? Loretta in Rhode Island needs some help fixing some drafty windows. Tell us about the problem. First of all, I want to say we love the show. My husband and I have been long-time listeners. It's not drafty windows. We have cracks. I've heard you, you know, other people call in the plaster. We've been in our house now 28 years, and we mm-hmm. have radiant uh, heat in the ceiling. Okay. So we're wondering, is this something? 28 years, we, we keep patching and undoing. Every spring, it looks like it's it's as if the patch got thicker, so he sands it down again, puts the paint, 
and it looks good. As soon as we put the heat on, you see these fine little hairline cracks. Because mm-hmm, everything's stuff. drying out. Yeah, so what do we do? I mean, he, he, he was using spackle, so now he's been using joint compound. If we tell you how to fix it, what is he going to do all spring? Oh, he's got yard work to do, believe me. <laughs> um, I'm sure Loretta can come up with a honeydew list for her man, no problem. If you've got cracks around the windows or doors, yeah. it really doesn't matter. The, that material is not actually going to repair the crack in the sense that it's not sort of gluing the two parts of the wall Just back together. Right. It's patching over. It's patching over, and those areas are obviously the part of the wall where you have the most movement. Very, very common to have cracks around windows and doors because it's sort of the weaker part of the wall, if the wall is going to shift and move and expand and contract, it's going to show up around our window and door before it'll show up across the solid wall surface. Now, the only thing that you can do to try to minimize this is to use a drywall tape over mm-hmm. that crack. And the type You're of drywall a, tape... You're a step in a material, Loretta. Yes, and, and the type of drywall tape we would recommend uh, would be a fiberglass tape. It's, fiberglass. it's perforated. Mm-hmm. It it's, looks like mesh, Loretta. Okay. And it's very easy to install. And once you put this across the, the, the crack itself, then you can spackle over that. And that has sort of an adhesive effect of, of covering over both sides of the crack and, and does a nice job of hiding it. Okay. Hope that, that does it. Thanks It'll a lot. Do the All right, Loretta, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Steve in Iowa needs some help with a mysterious stain in the bathroom. Tell us what's going on. Well, basically what I have is a galvanized water line going to my bathroom sink. Okay. And those lines are complete. Either I have a small leak or when they sweat, that lime drips to the floor. Now, you say they're limed over. You mean there's mineral salt? on these lines, or are, you, or are you saying that you can't get any water out of them? There's mineral deposits covering the galvanized lines. Well, what happens is those galvanized lines obviously rust. They develop pinholes. The water leaks out. Then it evaporates, and the mineral salts sort of crust over on the outside. Now, if you've okay. got a galvanized pipe, you know, it really is time for you to start thinking about replacement because I guarantee you that's going to get worse. It's not going to get better. And eventually, those holes will get so big that you'll have a steady leak that despite the evaporation of the water, it won't crust over and there'll just be a big stinking mess. Okay. So basically, I just need to replace my water lines under the sink. Yeah, basically, that's it. The galvanized pipes, you know, they'll typically last around 50 or 60 years, and then they really start to rust out. The other thing that happens is you'll have a a greatly reduced water flow because the pipes will rust inward and they'll clog up. You know, think of it sort of like a clogged artery, and the water can't get through. So by replacing those pipes, you'll have an improved flow at that sink as well. Okay, well... Thanks a lot. I you... guess I'll call a plumber. <laughs> okay, Steve. Thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. Jim in Connecticut needs some help with the basement. What's going on at your Money Pit? Hi, I have a house that's about seventy years old. Okay. And my kitchen floor is sagging a little bit, and I have the house is made out of like a lot of milled timber, not your traditional two by twelves. And okay. one of the pieces has rotted, and they put up a steel post under it. But I like to raise my floor up a little bit, you know, to make it even when I redo my kitchen. And I know if I do it too fast, you can crack the plaster. So I want to know what the best way to, you know, jack it up a few inches. Well, Jim, it takes 70 years for that house to sag, and trying to lift it back up any quicker than that is bound to cause you some problems. What I would recommend is you stabilize the structure 
And by that, I mean, if you've got any rotted or decayed areas, you want to basically stabilize it so you don't get any further movement. In terms of trying to level that floor, you're almost always better off trying to level it on top of the floor than to try to raise the floor structure by using, for example, a floor leveling compound. Once you, If you're doing a kitchen, you want to pull all the cabinets out, level the floor with a compound, and then start your new build on top of that so you have a flat floor surface to kind of work up from. If you try to jack things up, you're going to find that you are going to crack walls. You could pull wires apart, pipes apart. Uh, all sorts of things can happen when you try to move a structure that's well settled in at that age. Excellent. Thank you very much. You're welcome, Jim. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Marilyn in California, you've got the Money Pit. What can we do for you today? I'm the president of a homeowners association in a condo building. We have six small townhouses and one water heater. It's about 16 years old, and one of these days it's going to go. And I've been wondering if it's possible to use a tankless water heater to replace this for, you know, six units. Absolutely. Well, it would be a tankless per unit, correct? Not necessarily, Leslie. It depends on the size. Now, you would have to have it sized correctly by the plumber that installed it, but it might be that a single tankless could do it, or there could be a series of two or three tankless that are hooked up together side by side that work together. This is a very common uh, situation in a commercial building, and very often the solution is uh, some number of water heaters hooked up in series, but they have to be done correctly because they're all computer-controlled, in order to keep the flow where it needs to be, um, it need, they need to be properly installed. But certainly tankless is a good option. I presume here, Marilyn, that you have gas-fired water heaters? We do. But okay. here's, here's an issue, because I've been in some condos where they had them in individual units, and one person I know had it retrofitted, and it's on the third story, and it takes forever to get hot water in her kitchen downstairs. And we have a pump, a circulating pump, that keeps hot water going for a good portion of the day. I so see. how do you stop from having to use a lot of water mm -hmm. to get to your hot water, or could you? Well, you would have to do some new plumbing. Uh -oh. The advantage of tankless water heaters is that they're small. I don't know if you do one per unit, but maybe one per floor or something like that. You may be able to get additional ones, but remember, that's going to require additional plumbing work to close that loop. The idea that you're circulating a hot water loop throughout the whole building is wasting an enormous amount of energy, an enormous amount. And I'd love to see you find a solution around that. But I think that at this point, considering the age of that unit, it's a good idea to bring right. in a good contractor or a number of them and give, let them give you some options and some pricing uh, for those options because as an association, you have the ability to fund that perhaps over some number of years so it wouldn't be a dramatic cost all at the same time. Okay. All right. I really appreciate all that feedback. And You're I welcome, love Aaron. your show. I listen to it every week. Thanks so much. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Up next, this common household accident causes more than 150,000 emergency room visits every year. We're going to teach you how to prevent one of the most common causes of falls right after this. portion of the Money Pit is brought to you by April Air, makers of professionally installed high-efficiency air cleaners. For more information, go to AprilAir.com. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. 
Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we unabashedly will recommend My Home, My Money Pit, your guide to every home improvement adventure as the perfect holiday gift for your loved one. Why not show them that you care with a great home improvement book (laughs) that we wrote? (laughs) How is that for a commercial? Shameless plug. You know, we, uh, we we often get the opportunity to uh, look at uh, a lot of gifts this time of year, and we thought, why not plug our own product? <laughs> we spend so much time talking about other people's things. But you know what? Our book, it really is very user-friendly. It is a fun read. It will give you lots of great ideas and really save you a ton of time and money as you tackle home improvements or as you hire folks to do those jobs for you. So it will be money well spent and a very happy gift to be given and received. And another great gift idea is ladders. And it doesn't have to just be for the home improver in your life. Ladders are really important. You know, you use them quite often and they're really more important to use a regular ladder than just the chair, especially a chair with wheels, because a lot of people get hurt this time of year. And thousands of those people are seriously injured because the ladders are just worn out or you're not using them correctly. So before you get out all of your decorations and get to work, you need to make sure that your ladder has slip-resistant rungs and feet. You want to inspect the ladder itself for cracked upright, split rungs, or any loose rivets. And when you're using an extension ladder, here's a simple formula that's going to help make sure that you are secure. The bottom of your ladder should be away from the wall by at least one quarter of the height you need to work. So if you're going to go up 20 feet up the ladder, your ladder should be at least five feet away from the base, you know, the base away from the wall. So always be sure you lay them on the wall properly, use them correctly. And when you climb up to the top and there's that little sticker that says never, ever, ever stand on the top rung, they mean it. Be safe. (laughs) Stay out of the hospital, folks. 888-666-3974. Call us right now with your home improvement question. Call us right now if you are stuck on top of a ladder and uh, don't know what to do next. (laughs) Actually, you probably should come down first. All right, let's get back to the phones. Who's next? Stephen in Texas has an interesting home situation. Tell us about your unique house. Yeah, actually, uh, I'm living in an apartment right now, y'all. And um, me and my fiancé are both like eco-freaks. We're really into the environment, and we're uh, planning on building a house that has a green roof. And uh, we were thinking about making it kind of like a traditional earthship. Uh, with the uh, with the tires packed with earth uh, and then layers of dirt on top of that and then grass on top of that, but we weren't sure how to create a solid enough dome feature, like a dome structure, mm-hmm. that could much weight. Uh, well, the the dome itself would have to be framed, and you know, you're going to build this fairly traditionally up until the point where you get uh, you know to putting on the earth. You're probably going to build the dome traditionally, you know, with a rafter structure and, and a and a sheathing structure, and then over that you're going to use a uh, a membrane like an ice and water shield or a rubber roof type of a product, and that's really what's going to be the waterproof part of this. And then over that is when you would add the earth. Okay. The soil. Right, so uh, I would just be using wood, not concrete, or like uh, I was thinking about ICF, ICF blocks. Insulated uh, concrete forms mm-hmm. are an excellent uh, building material, and for those that don't know, that stands for insulated concrete forms. And you basically stack them up, kind of like oversized Lego blocks. Then you add uh, steel reinforcement rod, and then you fill them with concrete. It's an excellent choice for building material. Actually, is totally stormproof, super strong, and makes for a pretty energy efficient home because those blocks themselves are made out of foam and, and very, very efficient. Keep us posted on your progress. We'd love to see photos of the whole thing. Sounds like an interesting house. Steve, thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. 
Mary in Alaska, welcome to the Money Pit. What can we do for you today? Hi. I have a sunroom, which is 25 years old. It sits on concrete block, which is six courses from the footing. The outside was sealed and insulated. There are two courses above ground, and the outside has cedar siding, and the inside is painted. Okay. About three or four years ago, I started noticing a white powder Mm -hmm. and sometimes moisture in between the blocks. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it's gotten worse over time. All right. The problem is called efflorescence. And it's easily fixed. Easily fixed. What you have is moisture that's getting into the block area. And then that water is evaporating into the interior house space, but it's leaving its mineral salt deposit behind. So this is really a two-step process. First of all, inside, this comes off with a vinegar solution. White vinegar and water. Exactly. Get yourself a gallon of white vinegar and mix it up with some water spray. It'll come right off. Mm -hmm. And you may need to rinse it a little bit with water just to get the scent away, but the white vinegar makes it go away, lickety-split. Otherwise, it'll smell like a salad. (laughs) Uh, and then outside the house, um, you want to take a look at your drainage conditions, Mary, because I suspect that something is uh, not quite right with the drainage. Well, I imagine so there's a lot of snow that sits against Yeah, that. I mean, snow that's melting near that foundation or gutters that are clogged or downspouts that are directed right near that corner. All of those things could add uh, an excessive amount of water to that particular space. Okay. It is the, um, the uh, area where the snow comes off the roof. Yeah, well, I mean, that could do it. Mm -hmm. Um, Make sure the soil uh, slopes away, too, because even if you have snow melt, you want the water to run away from that wall. It's definitely a drainage problem that's sourcing it. It doesn't sound too serious. So get those two things under control. The the efflorescence is basically a cleanup job. But outside, try to uh, work on those sources of moisture and keep it as far away from the house as possible. I can do that. You can. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Mary. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Up next, the water hoses that lead from your washing machine to the water line in your house can actually cause big trouble uh, if they're not properly maintained. We're going to tell you what to look for next. Money Pit. The Money Pit is being brought to you by Guardian Home Standby Generators, America's choice in power outage protection. Learn more at guardiangenerators.com. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And there is nothing like a fresh live tree to really bring all that holiday spirit into your home, but you have to remember to water it. You know, dried out trees are notorious for starting fires. Don't we hear about these stories every year around this time. Oh, so there are always terrible stories to hear about on the news. So really, don't be one of those statistics. To help you out, we're giving away a Christmas tree safety system worth 35 bucks from Ultalit Technologies. It's a system that will alert you when your tree is getting dangerously dry. If you want to win it, pick up the phone and call us right now with your home improvement question. The number is 1-888-MONEYPIT. Now we're going to dive into a problem that involves too much water. You know, with time and wear, those water hoses that you've got all around your house, they can be prone to leaking and even worse, bursting. So you want to make sure that you check your water hoses for cracks or blisters. Make sure you replace them every five years or better yet, consider installing those steel hoses, you know, those little braided ones. And also think about installing a single lever shut off valve just for your washing machine. This way you turn it off between uses. If 
anything happens, God forbid, the water will not go anywhere. We've got one in our house. I recommend you put one in your money pit today to save a very valuable mishap from happening in your home. 888-666-3974. Leslie, who's next? Heading over to Nevada to chat with Brett about a tiling project. What can we do for you? Um, well, I'm doing a, um, a project in my bathroom, and I've done a lot of um, ceramic uh, stuff on my floors before. I've laid down a lot of ceramic tile. But uh, this time I'm going to be um, putting it uh, on a wall. So it's going to be a vertical application, and I've never done that before, and I'm a little nervous about it. Are there any uh, sort of tricks of the trade that I can... Uh, um, you know, apply to this so that I don't have any problems? Well, it's not that difficult to do. I mean, if you use a good quality adhesive, um, you actually can put those tiles up as you go. They won't, they'll stay, uh, they'll stay firmly in place. They won't shift. They won't move. They won't float around. Uh, we always recommend working from the bottom up. Mm-hmm. And the layout is really the most critical. You need to figure out your cuts first because you don't want to end up against the ceiling with a small piece. If you're going to have something right. small, you know, you want to have that towards the bottom. Okay, but there's nothing, uh, so because I had uh, looked up some stuff on the internet and they showed people that had used um, like strips of wood to, to keep the, uh, the tile in place. I don't need to worry about anything like that. I don't think so, Leslie. No, You've done as long a lot as your adhesive is, is mixed properly, if you're, if you're mixing your own, you know, you want it the right consistency. You want to make sure that it is the, you know, perfect sort of tact tacticity if you will it's sticky enough so that the tile is going to go on choose a tile you know are you looking at one that has a mesh backing are you looking at individual tiles what kind are you choosing uh these actually have a mesh backing the mesh backing really makes it fantastic because the adhesive sort of squeegees through each of those little perforations on the mesh, and it really helps it adhere. Um, again, work from the bottom up. Make sure that when you lay it in, you're not sort of compressing all of the mesh that helps with the layout. Yeah, right. um, as long as you've got everything prepped properly, you've got your backer board on the wall, I think you really have a good project. Excellent. Thank you very much for your assistance. You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Daniel in Kansas is about to take on a giant home improvement project. You want to refinish the entire first floor? Yes, that's right. All right. What's your flooring material right now? It is uh, oak. Okay. And you want to, what's on it? Is it a finish? Is it a paint? Do you need to take it down to the raw surface? What's the condition? Yes. I want to take it down to the, basically the raw wood. Okay. And why is that, Daniel? Is the material, is the floor right now just so rough that you feel that's, that's the only option? Yeah, it's flooring from 1929. Oh, okay. Yeah, that is pretty old. Well, maybe uh, maybe that is a good option, but let me kind of give you the steps here uh, in terms of that sanding. If you wanted to do a light sanding, what I would recommend is that you rent a floor buffer with a sanding screen, and that will just take off the upper surface of the last layer of finish. If you want to go a little bit deeper than that, you can rent a machine called a U-sand, which is basically four six-inch disc sanders under the same sort of housing or head. It has a vacuum bag attachment, so it's sort of a neat way to do it. And if you got to go really deep, I mean, really take off, we're talking about at least an eighth of an inch of wood, maybe a sixteenth, but somewhere in that nature, then you need to use an official floor sander. Now, I will tell you, though, that's not the kind of uh, tool that I would recommend that you rent, because if you don't work with it every day, it's real easy to screw up your floor. If you just twist the wrong way, you'll put a real deep dig in there, and you won't be able to get it out. Oh, okay. And what's the uh, best way to apply this stain? 
Uh, the best way to apply, well, stain or the urethane finish is with something called a lamb's wool applicator, which kind of looks like a sponge mop. Basically, it's sort of a long wood stick with a piece of lamb's wool wrapped around the outside edge, and you use a painting tray, but you put the finish or the stain in the painting tray, and you dip it and sort of blot it a little bit to get the excess off, and then sort of mop on the finish, of course, working your way out the door or up the stairs. And whatever it says on the can, Daniel, in terms of drying, drying time, time, double it. <laughs> Just double oh, it. Yeah, because you really do need to let it dry between coats. And if you sort of apply a new coat on top of a, a tacky or not quite dry previous coat, you'll find that somehow the two coats kind of get locked together, and then it never dries. Oh, okay. That'll work. Thanks so much for your help. You're welcome, Daniel. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. All right. Well, if the cooler season is bringing on a nice chill in your house, you might not have enough insulation. So, how do you know if you've got enough? We are going to answer that when we reach into our listener email bag right after this. You're in a money pit. The Money Pit is brought to you by Owens Corning. It's easy to insulate your home and save money. What's stopping you? Learn more at insulateandsave.com. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And are you looking for some ideas for that home improver in your life? We've got a great new column up on AOL.com. Just go to moneypit.aol.com to check out our list of home improvement gifts for the DIYer in your life. Give you some ideas and some cool new tools and products that are out there that I'm sure your home improver would love to have. Now, if there's a project you want your home improver to accomplish, it wouldn't hurt to give them him the him or her <laughs> the tools required to the do the job. The tools required <laughs> and a not so subtle note as to which part of the house they should be used on first. That's excellent. And if you're looking for ways to best approach the subject, shoot us an email by heading over to moneypit.com and clicking on Ask Tom and Leslie, and we can help you sort all that out. And we're going to jump in our email bag, and I've got one here from Tracy in Levittown, Pennsylvania, who writes, I have a third-floor walk-up attic the full length of my house with a full-length ridge vent. The builder put insulation on the floor of the attic and then plywood, but did not insulate the roof. The attic is freezing cold in the winter. I believe this is why my second-floor bedrooms are cold should the roof of the attic be insulated my husband said that would be a waste of money because the air comes in through the vent the attic is used for all our storage so we cannot blow insulation in your husband is correct tracy um the attic actually if it's correctly insulated will be at ambient same temperature. temperature in other words the same temperature outside and inside the attic while it's weather tight in that it doesn't uh, let uh, you know rain and snow get into that ceiling space. It's still chilly. It still should be chilly. It should be the same temperature as the outside. And the insulation is where we trap that heat below. Now, if you have a flooring then, and as well you have insulation under that, I can tell you right now, you don't have enough insulation because most homes need about 19 inches of insulation. Which would go way higher than those floor joists. Exactly. So what we would recommend is you cut back on that storage and you say have an area that is outside of the storage area where you double up on the insulation. Add another 8 or 10 inches of unfaced fiberglass bats and then leave an area, say, around the opening of the stair where you can store. Insulation does not go on the underside of the attic sheathing unless you have a finished, and by finished I mean heated attic. You know, there is a very good website with tips on 
what to insulate, where to insulate, how to insulate. It's called insulateandsave.com. It's a website put together by the experts at Owens Corning. And right there on that website, they also have a homeowner's guide to insulation, which is downloadable, that will give you um, all of those tips. All right, we've got one here from Paul in St. Cloud, Minnesota, who writes, What epoxy product can I use to repair a broken corner of a concrete step? Ooh, can you build up a corner with the um, the Abacrete products that we've Yes, been- you can. Um, Abacrete, the website's abitron.com. Uh, good epoxy products, and they have a repair product that you can use to build up a quarter, uh, build up a corner of a step like that. Now you can't use regular concrete, and you can't use regular mortar mix because it'll just crack and fall off again. You do need to use an epoxy product, and that will do the trick. All right, Jeannie in Alaska writes: uh, With winds in an excess of 100 miles per hour, we're looking to replace our roof, and we want something that looks like a wood shake shingle. What should we look at? Ah, well, you know, there are wind-resistant shingles out there. Actually, there are hurricane-resistant shingles that are rated up to and over 100 miles an hour. You're going to look for one of the dimensional shingle products that has the appearance of a wood shake, but it's designed specifically with special adhesives. So once it's installed, it can actually withstand a 100-mile-an-hour wind. You know, and they look great, too, while they're doing that for you. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Thank you so much for spending this hour with us. The show continues online at moneypit.com, a website that is chock full with home improvement tips to help you get you through your week. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.